Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Peter Tottleman, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Parish in Columbus, and today I'm joined in the studio by Father John Corbett and Brother Irenaeus Denlevy. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, now now and at the the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today we wanted to talk about life in the Spirit. So the person of the Holy Spirit, and uh, how does the Holy Spirit um, sanctify or make holy a believer? So what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian? So maybe I think um, instead of just beginning there, maybe take a step back and say, like, well, who is the Holy Spirit in and of himself? Maybe because we know kind of what he does from, like, who he is. Well, okay. Um, nothing like defer plunged. to the professor here. Yeah, right. Uh, all right. What do we want to say? The third person of the Trinity. Uh, one of the differences when we talk about persons in the Trinity uh, we're talking about a relationship. We're not well. A human person is somebody that has a relationship. Yeah. But God is all simple, and so uh, He doesn't have a relationship. He is a relationship. So the Holy Spirit then is a kind of relationship of love within God. Yeah. Okay. God related to God through the mode of love. Yeah. Uh, God's, you could describe it as God's own love for God. Yeah. Now, this is now for St. Thomas, actually the whole tradition, of course, uh, love doesn't operate blindly. You know, that we say love is blind, but it's not. Love is actually appreciative, right? Nice. Uh, so when we talk about the love of God, that presupposes the God's knowledge of God. Yeah. God being God knows himself fairly well. And uh, being all, you know, there's not too many surprises. <laughs> all right. Oh, I didn't believe I can't yeah. believe I did that, says God. <laughs> he hardly ever says stuff like that. So uh, he does know himself thoroughly. And, of course, what he knows is good. He's boundless goodness. So his knowledge of himself is always com- accompanied by uh a love of himself, which is proportionate to his goodness. His goodness is infinite. That means his love for himself is infinite. His love for God just is God. Yeah. So that's it. It's, it. The Holy Spirit is God's approval of being God. Yeah. The state of approval that God has in his yeah. godness is what we mean by Holy Spirit. Yeah. And when we think about Holy Spirit, it's, it's love in person. And when uh-huh. you think about love, it's, 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 it's an impulse, right? So whenever, whenever you love something, you know, you see that it's good and you're drawn towards it. There's something that happens in your heart. Like your heart's like reconfigured so that it's drawn towards the thing that you know is good. And you know, you know what happens, you know, when you, you think of something that you love, you know, you see a big, T-bone steak and you love it, you go, 
<sighs> and you sigh. Spirate. Right. Yeah. You spirate. Right. <laughs> you sigh. You sigh. Right. So like that, but that's, that's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the sigh of love within God uh, mm-hmm. for God, you know, recognizing his beauty and his goodness and recognizing, in fact, all things that are themselves reflections of God's beauty. And goodness. Mm-hmm. So it's the Holy Spirit's God's sigh of love for himself and implicitly for all of creation. Right? That's right. Cause all creation's found in him. Yeah. So, you know, if he loves himself, he loves everything he makes mm-hmm. in himself, and that means the Holy – there's really one act of love in which God uh, loves himself and loves everything that he made in the same act of love. Yeah. There's another difference that's worth talking about. I mean, it's a human analogy, but with, um, with knowledge, the, the, what we know comes to find its place in our mind. You know, what's outside comes inside. But with love, it's the opposite. We, we, like you say, it's a sigh where we go out of ourselves. When I know the stake, the snake, the, the, the stake comes to exist in my mind. But when I love the stake, I move out to the stake to eat it. I, I, I'm going out of myself. I'm beside myself, you see. Uh, I, and that's what, that's, that's part, that's what goes on in the love of God. Uh, the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, is God's all-encompassing knowledge of himself, and that, that's one direction of movement. But with the Spirit, uh, it's God's ecstatic moving out of himself, uh, love of himself. Where, uh, and that, of course, shows up in creation when God, so to speak, goes out of himself to make a world and goes out of himself to... Uh, create man goes out of himself in order to you know give us a supernatural destiny yeah the spirit of the lord hovers over the waters and right. things come to be i think also with the one of the names of the holy spirit being the gift it kind of speaks to this ecstatic aspect there's um within the interior life of the trinity uh there's a sort of ordering or an origin so this doesn't happen in time and it's not by causation but we can truly say that the father, ha- I mean, sorry, the son has his origin in the father, and then he himself, with the father, is the origin of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as a third person of the Trinity, um, is not the origin of another person. And this sort of uh, describes the aspect of a gift, because a gift, as Aristotle says, is unreturnable. So, in a sense, the Holy Spirit is a, is a gift within the Trinity. He doesn't make return on the love from which he um, proceeds. Uh, he's simply um, breath, breathed into existence yeah. by the two other persons. And that unreturnable existence kind of co- comes into our life to change us, to sanctify us, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the principle of sanctification. You know? Absolutely. So, like, like how, how does this kind of work? Like, like how, how does the Holy Spirit sort of operate on us to change us? Well, I think that uh, you'd have to say that it only works actually through the incarnation. Yeah. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, Jesus as man, uh, God's uh, Jesus as God and man uh, comes into our world uh, and acts as the Son, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to the Father uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, into your hands I commend my spirit. He says, not my will, but yours be done. He kind of goes out of himself in sort of a doleful ecstasis. You see what I mean? Yeah. There's a sorrowful ecstasy 
in which he goes out of himself in the limits of his own will and surrenders to his father's will. And uh, then he dies, and he's raised up in that act of love. He, uh, You know, we stay in the act in which we die, right? Yeah. Uh, death makes us permanent. If we die in love, we remain in love. If we die in hate, we remain forever in hate. There's a kind of a solidifying of our identity in the moment of death. That happened to Jesus as well in his own death. And on the cross, uh, he dies in an act of priestly intercession, and that means and the sacrifice, and that means that he's raised up in an act of priestly intercession. So that's why he, when he meets the apostles, he, the first thing he does is he bestows peace on them and forgiveness. That's what he does. That's his, so to speak, his identity now. As priest, he confers peace, shalom, you know, reconciliation. Now, what happens? In Jesus uh, is that where the Holy Spirit comes in this is that the Holy Spirit gets us in on what happened to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the principle by which uh, we are adopted into the pattern of life of Jesus so that his act of obedience becomes ours, his act of doleful ecstasis in death becomes ours, and we live, we live by the, the, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead becomes ours. So to get, to get to this, the, the spirit is breathed forth by the Father and Son, and it reaches us through the risen humanity of Christ, who through the sacraments, you know, uses them as instruments to touch us with his risen humanity, risen divinity, uh, to breathe onto us his own life. So the Spirit is poured out on the humanity of Jesus preeminently. It's the gift, it's the gift to the humanity of Jesus preeminently. preeminently. And then through Jesus, we get uh, in on it. Through Jesus, you know, uh, will, in his divine and human will willing to us, he wills us a partaking of the share of the Spirit with which he is full. That's right. And since he's the instrument, the Spirit conforms us to Jesus while it makes us holy. That's exactly right. Right. And this all takes place within <clears throat> baptism, right? The, yeah. It's by baptism that we're brought into the life of Christ, and the Trinity makes his dwelling within us. Yeah. And then we can be moved by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So it's wonderful. So it's, 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 the, it's the Spirit of the Son, but then the Spirit of the Son makes us like the Son. You know, um, we talk about being a disciple of Jesus. You know, uh, it's it's disciple in an entirely new sense than you could be a disciple of anybody else, right? Uh-huh. Like I could I could admire, I don't know, Harriet Tubman or George Washington or whatever, Right. And uh, f- follow their example. I could be their disciple. I could be the disciple of St. Thomas Aquinas, right? And just sort of admire his life or admire his writings. But like Christians don't just sort of um, take Jesus as their role model and admire his example and strive to imitate it. Jesus chooses them and pours out his own spirit, which makes them his disciples. That's right. And which makes them his disciples and actually makes him come alive in them so that their sanctification conforms them more and more to the pattern of Jesus. That's right. Yeah. It make, makes us alive with his life. You know, there's a, you might describe it as a quickening. You know, yeah. To make alive. He judges the quick and the dead. Uh, he makes us quick with his life. 
You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Peter Tottleben, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Parish in Columbus, and I'm joined in the studio today by Father John Corbett and by Brother Irenaeus Dunlevy. And we've been discussing the Holy Spirit and and how the Holy Spirit um, quickens and enlivens the lives of believers. And we've talked about how the personal, the Spirit is the personal love in God, and he's poured out on Jesus, and through Jesus he's poured out on us to make us like Jesus, to make us members of our head, right? Yeah. Can I say something about Absolutely. this? Um, Absolutely. I talked earlier a bit about the different movements of mind and, and will. The mind takes some things in, the will moves out to things. Sure. Um, there's From the fact that the uh, the will or the love moves out to things. Uh, you could get the idea that it kind of transcends the mind. That that uh, and and from that, people get the idea that they, once they get the spirit, they can dispense with Jesus. You yeah. know, you, I'm religious. I'm not. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. Meaning, yeah. I have my own life in the spirit, which isn't really necessarily tied to that of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a certain part of the movement of the Holy Spirit that could lend a certain support to that, because, the, as I say, the Spirit's motion is ecstatic, but it also, the Spirit is always comes through the risen humanity of Christ, right? Mm. And it also is uh, bears his form. The Spirit mm. can't breathe on us unless it breathes into us the very form of Christ Jesus, so that the pattern of his life, his obedience to the mm. Father, his willingness to accept death, uh, and for us, and out of love for us, becomes ours somehow. Yeah, in fact, it's it's the very motion of the Holy Spirit that, that upbuilds the church. By conforming uh-huh. us to Christ, it makes us members of the church, right? It makes us part of this, this sacrament of salvation, this mystical body. In a very visible, concrete way, <clears throat> so that the movement of the Holy Spirit actually moves you down to that church building, which... In yeah. which sometimes the air conditioning doesn't work, and the pastor goes on too long in his yeah. homilies. That not that at St. Patrick's, but not at St. Patrick's. <laughs> that, that's oh, that no, very yeah, church building. Long way to Dominicans, never been found. Yeah, right? no, we're not boring. Um, We've no, never been no. boring. I wonder if we can um, maybe give a concrete example of what it would look like if somebody were to say, "I have the Spirit," and to shy away from Christ or to move beyond Christ. What do you think a life led in that respect looks like? Well, you would adopt all the, the you would adopt most of the fads of the day. You know, what people would mean by what is spiritual is what is most currently popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would you know you might move into new age stuff, crystals. You might move into social justice movements with uh, without you know any any connection to Christ. You might. Uh, basically, it would be up to you. You would be follow- you'd be following inspiration, but you'd be following your own inspiration. Yeah. And when you're following your own inspiration, it's definitely a work of spirit. It's not that it's not spiritual; it truly is. People know that, and that, that that's a reality they're in touch with, and they have great confidence in it. Uh, but that's an easy confusion to make between your own authentic spirit and the spirit of Christ. I, I think part of it, what it might look like is first, it would, it would be um, an abandonment of, of deep supernatural love in favor of maybe more gimmicky things that are in the service of power and self-will. 
or maybe like a kind of sublimated libido dominandi, you know, looking for these sort of <laughs> li- looking for these sorts of things, right? Because um, because you've got to remember what the Holy Spirit is. He's holy and he's the Spirit of love, you know, in the Trinity. Uh, so 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 first of all, that means that that, that the effect of uh, the Holy Spirit is to produce deep and abiding supernatural love, right? This is actually this is actually one of the ways of of actually thinking about your your spiritual life um, in a more healthy way is looking at um, how loving you are. The measure the measure of your spiritual life is love, right? Yeah. And I mean, of course, the acid test is loving the people you can see because you can't love the God you cannot see if you don't love the people you see. Uh, you know, this is, this is sort of the real acid test. You know, you know, how well do I love the poor, the outcast, the stranger, my enemies, the people I live with? Cause they're kind of like my enemies too sometimes. And things like this, you know, um, uh, the Holy Spirit, um, produces deep and abiding love. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit also produces a dispensation that's properly supernatural. It it, it 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 introduces you and it proportions you and elevates you to a life where God is your father and friend, where you live in an intimate dialogue. You live you live the you live the intimate dialogue that the Son has with the Father because you're conformed to Jesus in the Son. Um, Saint Thomas Aquinas says that you know when you're in the Holy Spirit, you're in Christ. That the Father loves you with the same love that He loves the Son eternally in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Right. This this is this is the real privilege of being a Christian. And I think sometimes when we abandon that, we kind of um, we we there there can be a tendency to abandon that and exchange it for sort of what compared to that are basically kind of cheap parlor tricks in the service of power. Can you give examples of well, that? Well, um, sometimes I mean, like, so you can you can sort of focus on um, you can focus on um, being. Um, you can focus on being a visionary. You can focus on, you know, you having words of wisdom. You can focus on like, I have a special claim to authority in the Christian community because of the spectacle that I can create with the inspirations that I have. So there's some sort of desire for novelty as yeah. well. You know, when you have the spirit, it, you're not operating by the run of the mill yeah. sort of practices that you would find like in the church. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And, and, and I think what you see is, is when you realize what it really means to like, know God, you know, and to, to really be able to appreciate God. Like think about an act of faith, you know, where like when you um when you have, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us the virtue of faith, you know, and 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 what you're when you know something, you know, your mind is made like the thing that you know. And so faith enables you to know God personally. And so faith like introduces you into this intimate personal relationship with God. Um, you can you can trade that essentially supernatural thing with sort of spectacles that are sort of like visions and signs and wonders and all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, in comparison with that, they're kind of parlor tricks. Yeah, right. Uh, it depends. I remember um, I saw a guy once, a priest I admired. Uh, he's he's gone to the Lord now. I had great admiration for him. Um, he uh, had gifts of preaching and teaching above all. Once in a while, there was something else, too. Uh, One day he was preaching, and all of a sudden there was somebody in the front row of the church, and uh, he felt some disease. He he had felt sick, and then all of a sudden the sickness was gone. Oh, yeah. Uh, But the thing is, uh, the priest didn't make a big deal of it. In fact, it happened, then it was over. 
And everybody knew that, whoever knew about it, knew that it was really from God, not from yeah. the priest. And nobody yeah. called special attention yeah. to it. And that's kind of a mark of of uh, authenticity. It's a gift of God, from God, that doesn't yeah. distract from God. The, the preaching of the gospel brings about signs and wonders, but signs and wonders that upbuild the church. Right. Uh, uh, for its supernatural end, right? They build right, up the right. common so, good of the church, and the, the internal common good of the church, the ordering of the church, is determined by the end towards which the church is oriented. Right. These signs and wonders have a, a teleology, right? Yeah. They're for the sake of something else. Yeah. Right. The signs and wonders uh, that Christ performed were for yeah. the sake of the faith of Israel, yeah. that they, people might have faith in him as yeah. their Savior. And so although the Holy Spirit... Uh, does have these extraordinary movements within the church where we may see things like um, miracles or awesome. healings. Um, if it doesn't, it, the real fruit of that, what it's measured by, is the faith it brings, the hope it instills in the faithful, and the charity that becomes alive. I think that's so. right. No, but the, I think I think that's right. I think it's it's remarking that um, signs and wonders are oriented towards those sort, or oriented towards those sorts of experiences. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the difference between a gift of the Spirit and, say, the fruits of the Spirit. A uh, gift of the Spirit, a charism, is uh, it doesn't necessarily sanctify. You can, it's in, you know, did you ever hear, well, of course you have Rasputin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no reason to doubt that he had authentic charisms. I mean, he apparently could really heal yeah. the, the Tsar's son. He could stop the bleeding, you know. And he apparently could read. Uh, very intuitively into people's minds and say things to them that were sort of startling. So for those of us who might not be familiar with Rasputin, is he a saintly figure? Or? <laughs> no, no, he was, no, he was uh, something less than saintly. I don't think the Orthodox Church has canonized him yet. Uh, no, 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 he was uh, actually quite remarkably bad. Um, he, he did not, his lone life did not display the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, but he kept the Tsarina the, uh, on tetterhooks because she believed or hoped that he could finally cure her son, uh, who was to be the future Tsar of hem- hemophilia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he got the Tsar killed, in the, and uh, he yeah. was uh, uh, a very bad actor. But anyway, he looked like the real thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I, th- I think you do see it. So, so, so the spirit does work. But we're we're talking about like when when you see these sort of more extraordinary appearances, that this teleology. I was thinking. Well, that's of, why, for example, uh, the, the church was suspicious of Padre Pio yeah. for a long time. There was actually reason to be, you yeah. know, because it, it's not a matter of the signs and wonders he worked. They said that can mask evil, you know. Yeah. What, so what's they, the they were, they were, so they, were they were very suspicious yeah. of him. Well, I know, I know. Uh, an example I was kind of thinking of. I mean, I'm, I, I know I've had the experience like hearing confessions. You know, so someone sits down and says, "Bless me, Father, for I've sinned." They say, "Da da 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 da," and you're like, you know, your eyes kind of, you're like thankful that it's kind of behind the screen because your eyes kind of widen a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't just absolve this person. I need to give them some kind of counselor or encouragement. And you're like, but I have no clue you know what i mean like i have no clue and you're like you're like okay well i'm 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 gonna try to love this person and uh i'm gonna try to say something i think i think i could say this right you know and then you say holy spirit yeah yeah right and then well right but then but then like the person will come like later you know sometimes you'll get people say like like you know when you said this and this and this to me in confession like how did you know that that's what i needed to hear and you're like 
I did. Actually, I, didn't. I, did. <laughs> actually, I didn't. Right. You're like, uh, uh, that, that was, that was, that wasn't me. Uh, you know, but I think, I mean, but that's, that's an example. You know, the Holy Spirit is building up, uh, the common good of the church. They, he, you know, God recruited subpar confessors and then like, you know, he, uh, you know, helps them with his supernatural gifts. Yeah. There's a way, yeah, I think in which the Holy Spirit operates sometimes below the radar. Yeah. Like often the greatest works he um, does for us or for the church often go, go unnoticed because it's not, you know, manifest to our senses. Yeah. You know, it's the ordinary working of the Holy Spirit is at a depth of the soul that we can't actually feel. That's right. Um, he says, St. Thomas says that the, uh, work of the justification of the sinner is a greater work than the uh, yeah. raising of the dead. Yeah. Uh, I, now, I myself would settle for the raising of the dead. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 mean I would be impressed be with great that. To see, yeah. But it's but objectively, it's true. The with uh, the justification of the sinner, you've got a will turned from evil to good, and uh, only God can do that. Yeah. Um, and it's really a, a more effective, a more powerful, yeah. more direct sign of God and who God is than than any any uh, physical miracle. Yeah, and I think another another helpful thing to think about too in, in what the Holy Spirit does is um, since He's love, you know the the constant action because the Holy Spirit doesn't just um, when we're elevated to the life of grace. Right, and we live this supernatural life of the disciple of Jesus. It's not just like that we receive the Holy Spirit intermittently; it's that the Holy Spirit's constantly acting on us to energize us. Like, like the the, the sanctifying grace that's in our soul would disappear if it weren't for the Holy Spirit sort of actively acting on it and energizing it. But what that means, this is a sign of God's continuous care for us. Mm-hmm. But what it's a sign is, is that um, the Holy Spirit can direct us, right? Uh, to, to ends and goods that are higher than we think for ourselves. Like if, if God is directing us towards, you know, just an intimate relationship with him, enjoying him, letting him be our father and our friend, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit can direct us towards that end, uh, even better than we can direct ourselves. And so there's, there's an important part of the spiritual life where, where it's sort of like, like learning to be docile yeah. to the promptings of the Holy Spirit who can produce in us things that we really can't do on our own with respect yeah. to directing our lives aright. Like one of my va- favorite verses of scripture comes from Ephesians where St. Paul simply says to the power of God already at work in us, which can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine mm-hmm. that God is already acting and working within us at a capacity that we can't even fathom. Yeah. And it's just inspiring. And, and uh, sort of the culminating gift that we have of the spirit in the life is that the Holy Spirit is God's presence to us, his loving presence toward us, doing more for us from minute to minute than we can ask for or imagine, drawing us more into a relationship of the Blessed Trinity, a relationship with him. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Peter Tottleman, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick's Parish in Columbus, and I've been joined in the studio by Father John Corbett and Brother Irenaeus Dunlevy, and let us now end in prayer. O light of the truth, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom. Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. 
心。